Career Medis Podcast. I am your host, Nisar Ahmad. I am the founder and editor of the blog, careermedis.com. And this is episode 28 of the Career Medis Podcast. And this episode is part of the Expert Series. And for today's Career Expert Series episode, I'm interviewing Andrew Fennell. Uh, Andrew Fennell uh, is an experienced recruiter, founder of London-based uh, CV or curriculum video writing service called Standout CV. And the author of Standout C, uh, and the author of the Ultimate CV Writing Guide. Andrew is also um, a returning guest contributor. He has contributed few articles to the Career Medis blog. So uh, it's a pleasure for me to uh, f- uh, finally have this interview with Andrew. So hey, Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Hi, sir. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So, Andrew, one thing I always like to start off, uh, you know, I always like to hear my guests' version of who they are, uh, what they do. So, if you can be kind enough to start us off with your introduction, uh, who uh, who you are and what do you do? Yeah, so basically, um, I am the founder of Standout CV, which is a London-based CV writing service uh, and career advice uh, website as well. Um, so in terms of my background, I, um, I worked in recruitment as a recruitment consultant in London for a number of years, um, worked across quite a few different industries, um, IT, banking, project management. Um, so I always used to help sort of friends and family out with, um, with their CVs and interview preparation and, and things like that. Um, so then I started doing it on a freelance basis, writing CVs um, on one of the popular freelance sites over here. Uh, and it got quite busy quite quickly. Um, so I didn't really realise there was such a demand for people that want to have their CVs written. Um, so then we went from the, the freelance site to setting up Standout CV. Um, now we've got a few writers working for us, and we um, we offer lots of different sort of guides on CV writing and interviews, and uh, a lot of free resources like CV templates and um, job application trackers and things like that. It's perfect. Uh, a funny thing you mentioned about the whole concept of when you were freelancing and how it picked up very quickly. One thing I find out is um, there's always a demand, right? No matter how good the economy or how uh, the economy is doing, there's always different types of people looking to improve their resume, as we call it in North America. You call it CV in yeah, yeah. Uh, in Europe. So there's always a demand. And you mentioned you're calling from London. Is that correct? That's right, yes. Okay, perfect. So... Obviously, almost anyone, no matter where they're listening to this uh, podcast from, they know what London, where London is, or where it is situated and all that. But maybe as a Londoner yourself, uh, perhaps you can share something interesting, uh, something interesting about London that usually people don't know about. Um, something interesting about London that people don't know about. Um I don't know really. I mean, in the um, in the city of London, in the in the work side of things, it's, it's very very busy, a uh, very sort of um, cut and thrust environment. Um, it's, I guess it's it's kind of like New York um, if you're looking at sort of that side of the world. Um, they're very sort of quick, fast-paced. Um, you know, it's where a lot of the um, all the big banks are situated and that kind of stuff. Oh, interesting. So it's like a central hub, not only for the UK, but also for Europe, right? So a lot of the European, uh, it's a lot of commerce goes out of there. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you um, see a lot of the news about the, the Brexit situation over there. But um, obviously a lot of that was focused around that a lot of companies choose to do business in London because because we're part of the European Union at the moment, we get access to the, the free market, which means we can trade with um, all of the other members of the European 
um, state um, without having to pay any taxes. So that's why mm-hmm. companies decide to have uh, bases in London. A lot of the French banks and uh, Japanese banks and people like that. Um, but now we're we're leaving the um, uh, leaving the uh, European Committee, then that may change, and we may see some companies leaving. But we don't really know yet. Yeah, but I wanted to start off. Uh, you mentioned you help. You started off as freelance writing CVs or curriculum videos. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that um, clients, your clients or job seekers come come to you for? Yeah, so I mean, the the biggest people that uh, sorry, the biggest challenge that people face is that um, they you know they they spend time creating a CV or resume, um, and then using it to apply for jobs, and they're just not getting any responses, which is obviously very frustrating. Um, and it's it's not usually because they're not a strong candidate; they can be a great candidate, but they just don't really know how to put a, a CV or resume together. Um, so I think if you haven't actually worked in recruitment before, or you haven't recruited as a hiring manager, then it's it's actually quite difficult to know how you should, um, you know, put a resume together. So that's that's really where our ex- our experience comes in. Myself and uh, the writers that work here, that we kind of we, we sit down with people and we um, we kind of blend their experience along with our knowledge of the recruitment market to to help them make something a document that's going to be successful. I think that's an advantage for your clients, right? You can give them an insider scoop because you're on the other side. Right, so you have, so I think uh, it helps the candidates understand things on from the other side. Uh, so that's a good benefit in dealing with you. Yeah, yeah, and also our all of our um, advice on the site, it's all it's all sort of geared around that as well. It's kind of me sharing, you know, the things that I've seen and you know I've, I've seen what works and what doesn't work. You know, what hiring managers like to see, and obviously having having been on the recruitment side, and you know I've sat there and gone through hundreds of CVs myself. Um, you know, I, I know what kind of things are going to catch the eye of a recruiter and, and what things are going to annoy recruiters. So, you know, I, I know how people should tailor their CVs to, to get it just right. You know what, that's, that's, that'll be a good segue because we talked about the problem and challenge and I, I, everyone can relate to that. Uh, we call it the resume black hole. You send a bunch of resumes, you don't hear back, you don't know what's wrong, right? Yeah. So why don't, and since, since I'm speaking to the expert, uh, here, uh, maybe you can help us out. At uh, what are some of the things? Um, let's start off by the things that people are doing wrong. Then we can talk about what people can do right. So, what are some of the mistakes that you have seen as a recruiter candidates make that immediately disqualifies them? So, I mean, I wouldn't say that anything in particular immediately disqualifies you, um, but there's there's certain things that that you can do that will put people off, or it will, or they will hide the the information that the recruiter needs to see. So um, one of the worst things is bad formatting. So you know, when you have a CV that has big, huge chunks of text not broken up at all, and it's very hard to kind of uh, to read through it and actually pinpoint the information you need, that's that's probably one of the, the biggest um, mistakes that people make. Um, another thing is not re- not doing any research. So they not looking into the job market and, and seeing what the required skills for certain roles are. If you just sit down and write your CV, often you won't be able to tailor it to the jobs because you won't actually know what they're looking for. Um, that, I'd say there are a couple of the, the big mistakes that we see people make. 
So going back to formatting, and uh, I, it's funny we are talking about formatting. A couple of weeks ago, I was doing some research, and it's it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing the type amount of information you have, which is conflicting out there. If you Google, right, um, in terms of formatting, in terms of fonts, in terms of what to use, what not to use, what what are your best uh, practices when it comes to formatting? So in terms of formatting, I mean, there's there's no like hard or fast rules on the, the fonts and things like that. So in terms of the font, I would just say make it nice and simple and easily readable. Um, don't go for anything elaborate because it's difficult to read and it can be a bit of a headache for people when they're reading lots of CVs all the time. So so nice and simple and clear um, and just break the sections up nicely, you know, so keep it all um, consistent. Have, you know, nice bold headings for like your profile and your work experience. Um, have very short paragraphs um, for your profile and for your roles, split them up into bullet points. So again, it's nice and easy for nice and easy for people to skim through and, and pick out the things they need, and it's you know you don't have a big, never have big chunky paragraphs that, that are difficult for people to wade through. And, and is there a particular font that you would recommend? Um, and, and there's a reason I'm asking that question because you Google, you will get <laughs> hundred answers. Is there a particular font on Word that you would recommend? Well, I personally, I either use um, Calibri, Arial, or Tahoma. But at the end of the day, as long as it's a nice, simple font, easy to read, and isn't, isn't too over-elaborate, that's that's really all you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's uh, sticking on the theme of formatting, right? Uh, you, we're talking about the human eye, so how will it be pursued when a recruiter or a hiring manager looks at um, nowadays, a lot of companies use application tracking systems or ATS or, or so basically software that skims your resume. Um, so you mentioned the word, like now we're going back to the second thing you mentioned, not doing any research or required skills. Um, can you talk a little bit about your experience with ATS and how, how you feel or how, what are some th things the candidates can do to make sure they are doing the right things yeah so i mean personally i would say that ats um, programs aren't really too much to worry about because um, a lot of the times what they will do um, the cvs will come through the system and they will just kind of divide up where those cvs go so there's i don't know of any companies that will have an ats system that would get a cv in and then just completely disregard it without a human pair of eyes seeing it so i would always say write your cv for for people first and then kind of tweak it afterwards if you need to for the um, for the tracking systems, you know. But if you're, I think if you're doing your research and you're you're looking at the skills that are required for your jobs and the experience that's required, then you should naturally be getting those correct words in there anyway. So overall, I would say that they're not, it, you shouldn't worry about um, tracking systems too much. No, that's actually good to know <laughs> because every I've, I've I've read a lot of advice out there which basically scares a lot of candidates about ATS. Yeah, you and uh, yeah. I mean I've I've worked for some some really big banks and some, some big companies and I've never known anyone to completely rely on ATS. There will always be you know there will always be a human pair of eyes that see your CV and if if people if they're not doing that then you know they're not doing a, a good job of recruitment. Um, I would say personally. Okay, perfect. So we have looked at formatting, we have looked at doing a research, and uh, in terms of the actual layout of a resume, um, do you have a formula that you recommend to your clients, Andrew, or is that is that like depending on the job? 
Yes, we, we do have a, um, a, a pretty standard um, layout that we usually use. Uh, sometimes it will differ. Um, for example, uh, sometimes for like a graduate or a student, you might want to change things around a bit. But generally, for people with experience, I would say start with a little profile at the top that just kind of summarises everything you've got to offer. Um, and then a little core skills section, so it's just like a, a bullet pointed section of all your sort of core offerings, again, tying in with, with what people are looking for in the job market, um, just so that they really kind of stand out on the page and the, the, the reader can see them straight away. And then under that, you start your, your work experience and starting with your most current job and then working down towards your, your, um, your first job. Um, and in terms of structuring the roles themselves, I'd start with an outline, one or two lines that says, you know, what explains who the firm is and what the overall goal of the role is. Then a few bullet points on the responsibilities, so you know what you've actually been doing, um, you know, what sort of day-to-day, week-to-week responsibilities are, um, and then finish up with some key achievements, so some some big sort of impressive things that you've done for the company, um, and try and involve some numbers if you can. So uh, whether it's like sales figures, you know, sold 20 units in a week, or whether it's you know saved. X amount on a budget or something like that, try and get some numbers in to, to give the, uh, the reader some scale. And then when you've done all of your work, then I would education and any other sort of uh, differing qualifications at the bottom. Um, and then under that, if you want, you can put interests, but it's, it's an optional section really. Um, I would only really add interest if it's going to add some value, um, seeing if it's just something like going to the cinema and socialising with friends, probably not worth it. If it's something that ties in with what you do, or if it's like a, you know, if you do something particularly impressive like marathon, you know, it's, it's, it might be worth something like something like that. Hmm. That, that. That's good to know because uh, I've seen resumes where they talk about what they do in terms of socializing and really doesn't add any value to a resume. No, it's not really. but it's not gonna, no one's going to, you know, throw it in the bin because it says that on it. But it's, yeah, if, you know, if, you, if you're like my interests personally are not very interesting, so I never put mine. Yeah. But if you put something like you, you're a member of the debate team or you have done public speaking yes. and yeah, volunteering, this just shows, oh, this this person is doing something outside of the work to improve themselves. Yeah. That adds value. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. Or if, you know, captain of a sports team or, you know, something that's going to... Im- Im- that, that, that makes total sense. And especially you mentioned new hires, right? Uh, new graduates who are out of school. And, uh, I mean, this year, I mean, this is... Uh, this is just the time where many of them have graduated. There's a new batch that has just come into the market right now. And a lot of companies do not, when they, they know they are new hires. And what I've heard is they don't hire them for experience. They hire them for what they can bring. And if they're involved in sports and extracurricular activities, I've heard that should be included. Yeah. Right. So if you're, um, if you're more junior candidate, especially at that you know level where you haven't got a lot of experience at all, or no experience, then you should definitely be trying to add uh, things like that. So, you know, if you're, you know, like you say, part of a debate club at university or college, or um, you know, if you if you if you part of a sports team, or if you've been working on some some projects um, that tie in with your work, then you know you should be making that stuff really prominent and you know using it to counter the fact that you don't have much experience. Okay, so we have covered the resume. You've given us a very uh, good outline. What to format? How how to write it? How to put everything together? Um, I want to pivot into another question, uh, the, the concept of cover letters. Um, I've heard from most of my uh, guests that cover letters are important. Uh, of course, 
they give me a North American perspective, uh, but I wanted to hear your perspective, maybe a European or a Middle Eastern perspective. What do you think about cover letters? Yeah, I think they're, they're definitely 100% necessary. Um, on the whole, I would say it's generally just enough to um, put a small message in the email, you know, just something to introduce yourself and say a bit about what you can offer. Um, I think, you know, these days, there's not really much need for the, you know, a, a page, a whole page of A4 um, when it comes to cover letters, unless, you know, they're specifically asking for it. You know, I think sometimes, like, the more traditional employers, like, in the education sector and places like that, sometimes they specifically ask for a long cover letter, in which case you need to do it. But I'd say on the whole, people don't really want to read massive cover letters these days. You know, they just want something short and sharp that introduces you and, and gives them a reason to open your CV up. That, that makes sense. Short and sweet, keep it to the point yes. uh, so that they read the CV. Okay, perfect. So um, one thing I wanted to ask you, you touched on this at the beginning. You, called, you, you mentioned the challenge where individuals are creating resumes and cover letters. They're not getting any help. They're not getting enough feedback or calls back from recruiters. Um, is, there, is there a number after working with you or your team uh, what happens? What are the recommendations? Uh, sorry, sorry, not recommendations. What are their expectations? So initially, let's say they apply for 10 jobs, they get no calls. What should be the ideal number? If they have a good resume, they have a good cover letter, like you mentioned, what pers- how much of a calls, what percentage of calls should they be hearing back based on applications? Well, to be honest with you, we've never, we've never really looked at it from a numbers perspective like that in a really specific way. But I mean, mm-hmm. generally, we we would see it improve. So you know, we um, you know, at the end of the day, if you if you if you make some big improvements to your resume, you know, you you you're bound to get more calls back. At the end of the day, that is the the only thing that these pe- the people that you are sending it to have to judge you on. So you know, if you if you make some major improvements, then you're going to see you know, it's, if you were getting no calls before, you're going to go to at least getting you know, a couple of calls back a week or something like that. At least I would have thought. That's good. The, the reason I asked that question, Andrew, is I think uh, for job seekers, uh, they ex- it's just to set the right expectations, right? I, I, I think I wanted to hear from you is it's not, you will not get a call from every job you apply, but you will get a call from many of the jobs you apply. And I think that's the right expectation because when you're looking for a job, you can go down into the spiral of negativity. And uh, that's why I was trying to ask that question so that, you know, people listening to this, they get an idea Hey, you don't need to hear from everyone back, but if you get consistently few people, you are doing good. No, I think I think you're absolutely right. I mean, even when I've um, you know when I've been looking for jobs in the past and I've had like a a, a spot on CV the role, you know, you, you're never going to get a, a, a call back from everyone. Um, it just doesn't work like that. You know, there's so many different factors that, that, that play into it, and you know sometimes your CV might just get missed. I mean, some jobs you receive hundreds and hundreds of applications. Um, to the point where the recruiter might just not get around to your CV. So, you know, if, you, if you're not getting calls back, it's, it's you know, nothing to get disheartened about. Um, you know, you, you can't win them all, basically. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. Um, so, Andrew, so someone is uh, listening to this. They have done a great job with the cover letters and resume. They got the interview. So, of course, this is what this is the moment everybody is waiting for, right? It's like the the interview is the make or de- make or break deal. Um, so, when it comes to interviews, what are your top tips that you share with candidates? As as a recruiter, as someone who helps candidates right now, what is Andrew's best tips? I would say that um, the most important thing is preparation. Uh, preparation is ninety percent 
um, of the interview. Um, if you if you prepared correctly, you know it then leaves you li little work to do when you actually get in there. So um, obviously research the company and the role thoroughly. Um, and the most important thing you need to do is understand why you're a good fit for the role. So what I say to um, candidates is to literally go down the job spec, look at all of the requirements, and then write against each one why you fit them. So you know if it's asking for a certain amount of experience, write down you know what it is you've done, what you can do, so that you know that if you get any questions about your suitability, you should know in your head you know I'm I'm right for this particular point because I've done this, or I, I can do that part of the job because I've I've trained here, and you should be able to sort of read it all off. Um, and conversely, you should know about your weaknesses as well, because um, that is an area that interviewers will usually want to dig into. Um, so the, the key is to is to understand the areas where you're weaker. So you know if there's, there's points in the job spec where you don't quite match up with with what you've done, um, then you should have an idea in your head of how you would counter those weaknesses, um, and also maybe some idea of improving in the area. So you know if, if they ask you, you know, what about this area you don't have? you know, these particular skills or experience we're looking for, you can say, no, that is true, but, you know, I, I, I combat that by, by doing X, Y, Z, uh, and I'm also, um, you know, doing some courses in that area at the moment to try and bring my skills up. So i say, yeah, so know, knowing your, your strengths and your weaknesses are, are key to, um, to interview. That's definitely good advice, and I think the key here, it's worth repeating, is preparation. You mentioned preparation is 90%. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. All right, so, um, so you, you give an interview and let's say everything goes well. Uh, is there, do you recommend candidates follow up with their interviewer after the interview? Um, what do you recommend, what should, what should a candidate do after the interview? Yes, they should definitely follow up. So once you've, um, once you've left the interview, when you get back home or to your, uh, to your desk at work or whatever, you should uh, send an email straight away to um, either the person that's interviewed you, if, if you have their email, or if not, the, the recruiter involved, just thanking them for their time. Because um, it's just a nice little touch, and not everyone does it. So I think, um, you know, in, in a case where it's, it's quite close between you and a few other candidates, just that nice little polite email, that nice little professional touch can sometimes set you apart. Um, so that's definitely worth doing. Perfect, Andrew. So I think we covered a lot of ground here, right? We covered about uh, challenges, resumes, cover letters, and interview. Uh, you've given some key uh, highlights and tips. Um, one thing after listening to this, if uh, candidates wanted to learn more about you or uh, the listeners wanted to learn more about you, reach out to you, how could they get in touch with you? Um, to get in touch with me, if you head over to standout-cv.com, um, you can contact me that way. Uh, we're also on Twitter, Facebook, obviously. Um, we have, if you visit our um, our CV writing blog, we have um, a CV, a free CV template that people can download and use, um, which is based on the um, the format that we use for our customers as well. Um, and there's also lots of there's a job application tracker, which is a, a spreadsheet for Google Docs or for Excel, which you can track your job applications things like that. So yeah, there's there's plenty of um, free resources that people can can come and use. Perfect, and I'll make sure that I will add that as a, a link, uh, all the links that you mentioned as a sum when I write down a summary to this episode. Uh, so, Andrew, we are we are coming to the end of the episode here. Um, before we conclude this interview, any final words, any last words uh, before we conclude? Um, I would say that you know if you're um, if you're struggling in the job market, then um, just 
do as much research as you can. You know, there's there's loads of great stuff online, not only on my site, but obviously on, on your site as well. And there's lots of sites out there. Um, you know, find out what you're doing wrong and and try and correct it, and just and just just keep plugging away until you start to get the calls and the interviews. And um, you know, it is it is a, it can be a tough job market out there. There's um, there's a lot of competition out there at the moment, um, but there's, you know, there's a lot of different channels, so make sure you're using them all. So not just the job boards, but getting on LinkedIn as well, um, getting in touch with recruiters, trying to build relationships with people. Um, and you know, if you keep, if you stay organised and you keep persistent, then you should be able to um, land the job that you want. Thanks, Andrew. Um, I, I've written a lot of notes here, and I'll make sure I'll, I'll write them as a summary. You've shared a lot of great resources. Um, it is a pleasure having you on the podcast. I learned a lot. I'm sure the audience will learn a lot here as well. Uh, Thanks for being a guest. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Thanks, folks, for listening to this episode of the Career Medis podcast. I have written a brief summary of the interview with links to Andrew's website and social media. Uh, If you liked what you heard, feel free to subscribe to the podcast uh, on iTunes and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share this episode on your social media feeds. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmed, your host for the Career Medis Podcast. Thank you.